just uh, again, an emotional touch point. It's a lot more than emotion. We talk about things looking bad right now and they do look bad. Sometimes we feel like the frog that's looking down the gullet of a uh, heron. And you, you see these memes, these posters that say, never give up. And that sounds maybe unrealistic, especially if you're that frog. But you know what? It's not unrealistic. It's not just a myth. It's not just some sort of quotable quote, uplifting stuff. This is practical, life-saving advice. If you've seen the videos and some of the information on these seals, for example, these seals did avoid death by uh, some proper distancing. This seal jumped in the boat. The uh, baby seal kept going the back end of the shark and avoiding the business end. And we can do the same thing. We can avoid the business end of this virus. Today, we're going to be talking about supplements. I have gotten so much grief, so much focus, so, much, so many requests to cover supplements. We did cover supplements to a large extent, at least the ones that have a lot of science behind them regarding coronavirus. A lot of, by the way, in quotation marks. What we'll do is we'll talk about the scientific evidence. That's a major part of this channel. Uh, we'll talk about su supplements versus lifestyle. Compare coronavirus disease with cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, dementia, cognitive decline, ADHD. All of these diseases have major lifestyle and supplement components. For example, we'll look at some of the things that are, quote, science right now, some of the advice that you're hearing about lifestyle with coronavirus disease. For example, what is it? A safe distance means existence or something like that. And someone said it needs to be six feet. I haven't seen any science saying it needs to be six feet versus 5.5 feet. And I haven't also, there's not science saying one second exposure as you pass somebody on the sidewalk versus hours of time. I think it's crystal clear that multiple hours are a big deal. What's not so crystal clear is passing somebody on the sidewalk. So again, we'll talk about the levels of evidence that are available, and we'll talk some about the specific topics. Obviously, zinc, quercetin, two items that do have a little bit of specific coronavirus uh, scientific evidence. Then we'll talk about other things. I've got a friend that's a very credible source quoting other credible resources about vitamin C, for example. I'll talk just a little bit about the vitamin C story. Again, back to the lifestyle components, talk a little bit about obesity, diet, diabetes, and supplements. Then uh, vitamins D3, cinnamon, and others. What we do with supplements regarding this disease as well as other disease problems and uh, BCG vaccine. Again, right before, uh, just before getting into the issue on supplements, we'll be raising a couple of questions that we're not going to get into today. For example, what is the timeline? Is it two weeks? Is it four weeks? Is it three months? I think we will have a very different picture two weeks from now and maybe not talking and debating so much about timeline by the time that two-week period is over. I tend to agree that we're not going to make this timeline. There's a lot of information, a lot of focus, a lot of questions about, continued questions about flattening the curve. You continued to see some, uh, or actually you started to see some new things about Germany flattening the curve. German officials accredited it to two things, maybe number one, luck, but number two, a lot of testing. So again, coronavirus testing programs such as we used in, uh, in South Korea and Singapore, isolation, things like that continue to loom as key items 
Again, in the US, we're struggling with getting the supplies, the test kit supplies, the masks, the components that you need to do these programs. If you have questions about that, I'm working on a, one of those programs right now and we'll be happy to discuss it later. But again, we promised after a lot of requests to talk about supplements. Before we get too deep into supplements and COVID or supplements and anything specific like that, let's talk about supplements in general. You cannot supplement your way out of a lifestyle problem. We have, if there's one quote that we've said multiple times on this channel, again, up till now, it's mostly been cardiovascular disease prevention, also some cognitive decline prevention and a couple of other things. But again, it holds true no matter which type of disease you're talking about. Coronavirus, COVID-19, HIV, AIDS, cardiovascular disease, cognitive decline. You cannot supplement your way out of a lifestyle problem. We also know that. I mean, you can't medicate your way out of a lifestyle problem. That's one of the, there are populations that think that, you know what, I'll take the right supplement. I don't have to worry about that 40 pounds that I need to lose, that 40 pounds of fat mass that's creating adipokines, things that are causing significant inflammation and risk. Or I, I can take my metformin, I can take my medication and I don't have to worry about that body fat mass. I mean, we've covered this multiple times. The New England Journal covered this 20 years ago. Reduction in the incidence of type two diabetes with a lifestyle intervention versus metformin. Very minimal lifestyle changes were three times the impact that the drug was. And guess what? You can't do surgical procedures and get your way out of a lifestyle problem either. So for example, PCI stands for stents, by the way, and they've shown in multiple studies, stents do not overcome a lifestyle issue. They don't fix the problem. How does that, what does that got to do with COVID-19? Well, yeah, you can take all the zinc you want. You can take all of the uh, quercetin you want to make sure that you get that zinc into the cell or think that that's what you're doing, it's not gonna save you from making a poor decision of going out, breaking the key lifestyle component for COVID. And that is safe distancing. So, but does that mean we should we should ignore supplements entirely? Does that, obviously we, it doesn't. We can't, we shouldn't ignore medications entirely. We shouldn't ignore uh, surgery entirely. And again, COVID related diseases has components in every one of these. Weight loss is, it's a little bit late now to lose weight for the pandemic. We're in the middle of it. It's a big deal. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But are there things that we can do to, to supplement, to improve our immune system? So let's go back and talk just a, a minute about lifestyle and the overlap that you'll see with the different types of lifestyle and health associated with lifestyle. With coronavirus, it's healthy at home or safe distance or safe distance means existence or, you know, all of the different things, uh, six feet, two meters. Hopefully we'll be able to plan uh, to cover some information about uh, how to how to clean up your groceries when you get them home. Those are the focus points for coronavirus. But what about diet? What about exercise? What about sleep and rest? And again, we've mentioned obesity. What about smoking? Smoking and alcohol both mentioned multiple times in addition to other key components of healthy lifestyle. Now, as you start looking about at lifestyle determinants of health and disease in the other disease in other disease categories, you see a remarkable, remarkable overlap. With cardiovascular disease, it's diet, 
diet, diet, exercise, sleep, rest, obesity, smoking, alcohol. With HIV, AIDS-related diseases, safe sex, then diet, exercise, sleep, rest, obesity, smoking, alcohol, renal health, diet, exercise, sleep, rest, obesity, smoking, alcohol, ADHD lifestyle, same overlap over and over and over again, a proper weight, a proper low level of body fat mass, because we used to think body fat was inert energy storage tissue. It's not. It creates inflammation. And guess what? Inflammation is becoming better and better known as a major killer of mankind. Speaking of body fat mass, again, it's got a major component in terms of COVID-related disease. Michael, Michael Osterholm, the author of Deadliest Enemy at the Minnesota Infectious Disease, CIDRAP, Center for Infectious Disease Research and Programs, a, a CDC fellow. There are, maybe I shouldn't have said that, there's so many CDC haters out there right now. There are a series of risk factors that we worry about that if they overlay this disease, COVID-19 infection, are going to cause bad outcomes. And we happen to be right at ground zero for one of the major ones in this country, and that is obesity. You go back and you look, obesity is a major issue for coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, cardiovascular disease, renal health, you name it. It is a major risk factor. I could not talk about supplements without first covering lifestyle. Now let's go back and look at the, the question of scientific evidence and supplements. So what is the scientific evidence around coronavirus and supplements? Well, you know, coronavirus has not been around that long. Yes, SARS was a corona, is a type of coronavirus. MERS is a type of coronavirus. And yes, we do actually have some significant or acceptable scientific evidence regarding coronaviruses and, for example, zinc and, for example, even quercetin. But once it gets beyond that, really not a whole lot around any of the coronaviruses. So then where do you go? Well, first of all, let's, again, just cover the, the hierarchy. The best thing to have is a systematic review, like a Cochrane review. And we'll talk about Cochrane reviews on vitamin C a little bit later in this presentation. Then large RCTs, randomized clinical trials. Again, if you don't have a, something like a Cochrane review, a large randomized clinical trial is the next best thing. And then maybe small randomized clinical trials. And then uncontrolled studies, monographs, observational, excuse me, case studies. Again, pardon the, the bad image there. I didn't notice that it was so bad. I'm doing better than I used to, but still have challenges. And then you start getting into expert opinions, testimonials. As you see, you get from the very best types of evidence, which is more like, a again, a Cochrane reviewed kind of thing. For those of you who are wondering what I'm saying, C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E, it's a voluntary organization. It's now associated with Wikipedia, a bunch of volunteer scientists that agree to look at all of the world's scientific evidence on a certain topic. And as I mentioned before, we'll talk for just a few minutes about the Cochrane Review for vitamin C. So you start at the very top, then randomized clinical trials, and then at the very bottom, it's testimonials and expert opinion. And the experts, I think, would say that an expert opinion may be more valuable than a testimonial, but a lot of folks don't say so. So there, to the experts. 
Now, again, back to supplements, as I've mentioned, I've already covered this before in other videos. There's some significant information out there about coronaviruses per se, coronaviruses themselves and zinc. As a reminder, the coronavirus gets into the cell membrane by going through the ACE2 receptor. That raises that whole issue about ACEs and ARBs. I'm not going to go there for this discussion today. But then once it gets in the cell, it hijacks our uh, genetic material development mechanism. As uh, humans, most of our genetic material starts with DNA. With viruses, which are like a biological syringe, these viruses basically use RNA. They don't, they skip over the DNA component. They hijack it by hijacking a, an enzyme called RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. RNA is the genetic material that it uses, and polymerase is a is an enzyme that makes a polymer, an RNA polymer. Now, zinc inhibits that enzyme. But here's the problem with zinc. You can take a lot of zinc. Again, I've been given some by, uh, by some folks. I had run out. I routinely take zinc. It doesn't matter how high my zinc level gets in my bloodstream if I can't get zinc into the cell to impact that RNA-dependent polymerase, RNA polymerase. How do I do that? With, again, with uh, an ionophore. We've covered that. We covered that before when we were talking about it. And the ionophores are chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. That's where that whole hydroxychloroquine story came up. But also quercetin. Now, quercetin is a supplement. It's a plant flavonoid. What's a plant? What's a flavonoid? What's it used for? Does it work? You find flavonoids in fruits mostly. As you can see, those of you who are worried about carbs, and a lot of people on this channel are worried about carbs, most of you still take at least uh, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, and those, have, those are flavonoid rich. Uh, here's some pictures of some other sources of flavonoids. People have been taking quercetin and flavonoids for other reasons for a long time. Heart and vessel problems, lowering blood pressure, prostate problems preventing upper respiratory infections, and maybe that's how they did that, uh, the mechanism that we're talking about, providing an, a, an ionophore. And maybe I didn't define that. The ionophore is what lets an ion like zinc get from the bloodstream into the cell membrane and into the cell so it can act on that RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. They have also used it for allergies, disease prevention, it's been researched uh, well in a lot of uh, other diseases like uh, anti-cancer, anti-metastasis for human bladder cancer. Flavus is Latin for the term uh, yellow. And yes, it's a, a yellow chemical. If you start looking at um, the flavonoids, the bioflavonoids, you compare their molecular structure, they're similar to a couple of other things. Number one, they're similar to, let me see if I have that in here. It, this is the what we call that it looks like a chicken wire. Most of the people in, our, in the boomer generation remember chicken wire. It's this uh, six-sided wire. Why is that important? Because these flavonoids look very similar to that chicken wire. What else looks like that? Uh, chloroquine looks like that. Hydroxychloroquine looks like that. And guess what? The major component of these cell membranes that, zinc, that the zinc ion can't get through looks like that. It's the classic biological chicken wire molecule, and that is, yes, cholesterol. So again, other sources, not gonna reread 
the, the components about why people are taking it. Just reread some of the sources. Tea, citrus fruit, citrus fruit juices, berries, red wine, apples, legumes, soy products, vegetables, and fruits. Now, uh, there are some uh, zinc quercetin complexes. I won't get into the details of that. Again, we've covered quercetin before. We've covered zinc before. What about vitamin D3? Well, now let's go into some of the things where, have you seen any research on vitamin D3 and coronavirus? I have not. I don't expect to. I think it's been, it's way too early. And in fact, once you start wading into the science behind vitamin D3, there's a boatload of it. Again, not so much related to the coronavirus. Now, why would you even bring up vitamin D3? I've seen it brought up multiple times in these discussions about coronavirus. Why? Well, you have to start making some connections at that point. And connections are logic. Connections start getting to that lowest level of, um, of scientific evidence. Expert opinions, which are right down there at the bottom with what? Testimonials. But that doesn't mean we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's clearly worth taking a look at vitamin D3. There's a lot of research out there about vitamin D3 and diabetes. And as we all know, diabetes is a major risk factor for COVID-19, meaning the COVID-19 disease, the serious disease, as opposed to just a mild infection. We've covered uh, looking at ages and kids. You know, the first, what was it, 1,300 kids in the Wuhan Children's Hospital. Yeah, they had ground glass findings on their chest x-rays. They had clear evidence that they had involvement of their lungs in this disease, but none of them had symptoms. None of them ended up on ventilators or respirators, except for three. Those three kids already were on in ICU for other extremely serious problems like leukemia. So COVID-19 is not putting people on respirators. Coronavirus is not putting, SARS-CoV-2 is not putting people on respirators if they have an immune system that is functioning properly. Now, what is this comment I've got down here about 20 to 40 versus 60 to 90? Well, that first of all, that's a typo. It should have been 60 to 90 as opposed to six to 90. Uh, up until recently, and still on most lab reports, when you look at actual vitamin D3 levels, you'll see the average or the, the quote normals, end quote, as 20 to 40. Well, that's relatively old data. I've actually started to see some new, Quest has done it a couple of times, but on most of their lab reports, they still don't do it. They still go back to the 20 and 40 level. Research is pretty much piled up, which would indicate that it is better to have higher levels of vitamin D3. And that does help us in terms of managing and preventing diabetes and diabetes-related diseases. Now, why would I say it can be lethal? Vitamin D3 can be lethal. We've had a couple of videos. We had a patient that instead of taking, I think she was, she had like a 50,000 international unit pill she was taking. And instead of taking it once a week, like her doctor had prescribed, she was taking it once a day. Uh, rapidly got up to, I believe it was 120, 130. If you, you look on our, our video channel, we've covered that. I am aware of cases that have actually died, having way too much vitamin D up in the 110 area and above can result in shutdown of your kidneys. It can be lethal. Don't hear these things about supplements and, and think that you're gonna take something like a supplement and uh, it's gonna ward off this disease. It can kill you itself. Learn and know what you're doing before you do something like that. 
Now, vitamin C is maybe is a significantly different story. Unlike vitamin D, there's D3, there's very little risk at high doses for vitamin C. So a lot of people would say, look, if there's any significant evidence about benefit for, for vitamin C, then I'm just going to go ahead and take it because there's little to no risk. I get that. Uh, there are There is some risk in a couple of areas. It can cause gastrointestinal inflammation for a lot of people, diarrhea, other types of things, but it's not going to kill you like vitamin D3 can. I'm, I mentioned that I was going to talk about Cochrane studies, but before I do, you can't talk about vitamin C and not mention Linus Pauling. Everybody does. And Linus Pauling is one of the few people that's had not one, but two Nobel Peace Prizes. He had a major focus on vitamin C. He felt like he was the guy that's credited with starting this theory that this is all a vitamin C problem. Even cardiovascular disease, challenge, inflammation in your arteries is all really just a vitamin C problem. And coming up with theories, and, and if you look at it today, it's saying, look, there's a threshold. You need to take four to six grams of this and you need to take it daily. You need to take the right kind, but, and it's not so clear to me yet what kind is the right kind, or even more importantly, what kinds are the wrong kind. Again, several different components about the debate on the Linus Pauling theory of vitamin C. Now, if you go look at the Cochrane studies, it's very interesting. The guy that, that wrote the Cochrane studies uh, has his own discussion about, or the guy that coordinated, he was the chief of the Cochrane team that reviewed vitamin C. He's got his own articles on vitamin C. And it's an interesting contrast between his own articles and what you see with the Cochrane studies. Again, I've got a friend that gave me some more sources on this. I Unfortunately, I, I don't have the other sources that made me aware of this. Bottom line is you can look up vitamin C Cochrane study. You'll begin to see some of this information. One of the things that the Cochrane folks said is, is very similar to what you see with the science around CIMTs. There is the literature, the science around both of these areas, CIMT as well as vitamin C, is just littered. There are far more bad studies than there are good out there. So you've heard the old term garbage in, garbage out. So even if you've got a great team doing a Cochrane study, if all the, the studies done on vitamin C are, are poorly done, small studies, not very rigorous you're still going to get bad science at the other end. And that's, again, the some of the major complaints, some of the major findings that the Cochrane team had. Now, if you look at it, you'll, you'll see some significant uh, or you'll see some some significant signals. Let me put it that way. For example, you'll see this term over and over again. You get maybe eight to 10 percent decrease in cold or upper respiratory infection or respiratory infection. Now for a regular three-day cold, 8% is what, less than half a day. So it becomes questionable. People then mention those two things together and tend to just push vitamin C out the door. Others on the other hand, the other side of this debate, the vitamin C protagonists, the vitamin C fans would say, no, that's, the, that's significant. And they would also say, look, when you're dealing with potential life and death with something like COVID-19, maybe it'll give you that edge. And again, you start looking at the other studies, the vast majority of them go do not go anywhere near four to six grams per day. So we think that that's, uh, that that's the solution. Maybe that side is right. I'll tell you one thing, though. After rereading this information last night, I am... I'm, I'm planning on uh, getting some more vitamin C and cranking up a little bit in that area.
Now, speaking of what I what we I do, what we're doing, uh, as you know, we have a practice. What, what do we do with our uh, program of supplements? We're continuing to improve our organization around it. I have always had a, a love-hate relationship with supplements. I, I'm one of those docs, or I was one of those docs many years ago that said, yep, supplements make expensive urine. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. As I've gotten deeper into looking at the actual science, there are plenty of, of uh, significant signals around supplements. So we do, for example, for anybody on statins, we do recommend CoQ10, 200 milligrams. Clearly, most of our patients are cardiovascular patients or uh, cognitive decline patients. And those folks have inflammation in their arteries. So uh, the vast majority of them have problems associated with diabetes. There's a whole host of items that we do for cardiovascular diabetes. And you may remember, I've shown a couple of uh, uh, de-identified notes out of our own medical chart, our, our electronic health record. If you look at the plan here, this is a patient that was needing to see rheumatologist. This patient also had high uh, homocysteine. Uh, as we looked, there was plenty of evidence that she was a significantly poor methylator, which again, folks like Z-Dog would say doesn't matter at all. Uh, I would look at other science and say, oh yes, it does matter. It matters in terms of, of tissue. It matters in terms of eyes. It matters in terms of your retina, your vision. It matters in terms of nerves. So yes, these may seem soft, like soft signals to people that are managing people in the ICU. But for people that are looking at long-term impact, these uh, become a little bit more significant. So again, what are we doing? We're setting up programs where we have a set of supplements for one type of disease like methylation problems, which over half of us have, diabetes-related things like vitamin D3, cinnamon, berberine, bergamot, some of the other things that, that we're doing to organize a little bit better. Now, what's the whole focus behind supplements. When you begin to go back to the basics and the focus behind supplements, it helps you understand why there's another topic that's really hot out there right now, specific to coronavirus, and that's the BCG vaccine. Basile Camille Garrett, I think. I had that written down. I meant to write it down again. I used to do a little bit of work with BCG vaccine back when I was at Hopkins doing work with both uh, HIV and uh, TB. And again, significant overlap between HIV and TB at that time as well as now. What's the, what's the connection between supplements and BCG vaccine? It's the immune system. The whole idea behind uh, supplements is saying, okay, Brewer and the rest of the world, you're right. We got it. We heard you the third, the fourth, and the 79th time when you said, stay isolated. But you're not dealing with I mean, you're dealing with the lifestyle issues, but you're not dealing with a core issue here. If you look at people, COVID's not killing you if you've got, uh, and, and the coronavirus is not killing you if you've got a healthy immune system. Now, if supplements can boost your immune system, then why not take them? If the science is not pristine, if you don't have tens of millions of dollars doing research on vitamin C, like you have on the high dollar diabetes drugs, does that mean the vitamin C doesn't work? I get it. I understand that part of the debate. And, and, and as I said, I'm thinking about gearing up a little bit more again with my vitamin C and recommending it to 
But here's another item that boosts, or at least theoretically, and perhaps more than theoretically, boosts the immune system. Uh, if you look at uh, tuberculosis programs in other countries throughout the world, especially the, the less wealthy countries, the poor countries, many of them have continued to use BCG vaccine. Why? To boost the immune system to help uh, decrease a couple of types of TB, like miliary TB. It's where your lungs and bodies just get seeded with a very aggressive form of tuberculosis. So again, a lot of research going on with that right now. And you see the headlines. Researchers to begin testing whether TB vaccine can fight against coronavirus. This vaccine can save healthcare workers' lives now. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at prevmedhealth.com. To learn more, watch our videos on YouTube at Ford Brewer MD MPH. Thank you very much for your interest.